Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com and brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Sabrina, recording today with Vicki and with Kim. And we're happy that you are here, too, because you're our seventh sister. Yeah. Yeah. If you have not been a part of Homeschool High School podcast before or Seven Sisters is still kind of unfamiliar to you, there are six of us who founded the company. And when you join the conversation, you're our little sister. You're the seventh sister. So welcome. Hi, Seventh Sisters. Hello there. (laughs) So our goal at Seven Sisters is to be homeschooling big sisters. We are a little bit older, hopefully a little bit wiser than we were when we started. And uh, we've all graduated our kids from homeschool. Many, many kids from six different families. And we would like to encourage you in the homeschooling adventure that you are on with your kids now. And so from this big sisterly position, we are hoping to talk about figuring out the English language arts credit on the high school transcript because the ELA credit is a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just waiting for the right spot to put that in. That was good. That was real good. (laughs) I'm I'm the ear candy around here. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Another Kim t-shirt for sure. Yes. <laughs> so the credit is very complex. And let's let's just start off with Vicki, the transcript guru of many years, and explain why all high school transcripts are not created equal. Why are all high school transcripts not created equal? Because there's not one right way to homeschool high school. That's why. Woo. Okay, wait, that was a that was a miss here. That's true. That's absolutely true. But why are why are all credits not created equal? Ah, the credits all in the same transcript. Shouldn't they all be? If it's one credit, and everything should feel the same, right? Can can we track? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I left out a word. <laughs> All right, so all credits are not created equal, and it's not fair. It's totally not fair, so you and your teams can sit down and be upset about this for a minute because it's not fair at all that language arts is like five credits rolled into one. <laughs> it really, like like science, you just do science, and math, you just do math. But in language arts, you do literature and writing and vocabulary and grammar and public speaking. It's huge it's It's a really big credit and that's why it's a stressful credit for a lot of homeschoolers that we talk to and they feel confused by it and even when they stop feeling confused they feel intimidated by it and so we're hoping to clear up the confusion and relieve the intimidation so let's start with that five components thing let's go over those again literature writing grammar vocabulary and public speaking absolutely So let's start with literature, because this is actually a really complicated piece of the already complex credit. Literature does not just mean keeping a book list when you're in high school. I mean, you should keep a book list, but... Yes, you should keep a book list. (laughs) (laughs) You also have to do more than just keep a book list. Yeah. So, Sabrina, let's, let's explain what literature looks like in homeschooling high school. Like, do they each year have to do like a literature topic like American literature or British literature 
or are they supposed to mix it up? Like, what's the right way to do this? You know, I'm so glad you asked that question, Vicki, because there is not one right <laughs> way to do literature in high school, homeschool. There's not. You do not have to have a year of American Lit if you don't want to. You do not have to have a year of British Lit if you don't want to. You also don't have to mix and match if you do like the idea of having a year of British Lit. Yes. You're allowed to choose. You and your teen are allowed to put your darling little heads together and think about what would be a good approach for this year. Now, some of the things that might factor into that are, are you involved in a co-op? What's the co-op planning to do? Mm -hmm. Are you involved in a co-op that is doing uh, history and social studies together, but not literature? And do you want to attach your literature learning to the history that you're studying? So if you're doing American history, maybe you do want to do American Lit because that appeals to your style of homeschooling. But the goal of high school literature is that you would read a number of challenging books and that you would practice skills for analyzing that literature for literary analysis mm -hmm. and then that you would also read a number of other books some of which are not as challenging and some of which you don't analyze at all and that's okay and some of those books can tie into electives or your history or your social studies or anything else you like. They also might just be what we call reading for pleasure, because we would like to encourage that in our teens. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. We do? Okay. All right. <laughs> if you have a slower reader who doesn't plow through a whole bunch of books every month, and you're encouraging them to read the Bible, you can even include their Bible reading as part of their book list. And, and I know with our kids, we allowed them to count books of the Bible on their book list because we wanted to encourage Bible reading, you know, to actually know what scripture says. Exactly. And they don't have to read the whole Bible to list Bible on their reading list, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. You can count Matthew as a book because mm. it, it has significant content to qualify as a book. Of the Bible. So yeah, so literary analysis then is where people kind of go, okay, wait, so that means we make sure like they, they do a whole bunch of comprehension questions or something. And there are lit guides out there, literature study guides that focus a lot on comprehension. If you're talking to your big sisters and seven sisters, we're going to say that by high school, comprehension questions can feel a bit like busy work to teenagers. And they're probably beyond that unless they have some significant reading difficulties. In fact, sometimes teens resent the comprehension questions like, who did this first? What happened next? Is really, I mean, is underneath what teens are ready to do in high school. And they get a little bit irritated with that. And answering those kind of questions can be very time consuming. And that's probably why they're feeling resentful. So it's like kind of a legitimate point of resentment. But if instead you're encouraging them to think about lots of why questions and lots of but what if questions and lots of if you put yourself in that character's shoes, how might this play out? Ooh. Those kinds of really, can you dig into the ideas? Can you dig into the motivation that is driving characters to do the things that they're doing. Can you understand the power of the setting in which these people find themselves? These are, um, these are questions for analysis. They're really looking into what drives the story, what makes it really, really good writing, as opposed to just, eh, it was all right, you know? <laughs> and if you, if you are encouraging them to track certain literary devices, like let's say foreshadowing or symbolism or one of those things, to sort of track that throughout a book, then they're teaching their brains to pay attention to a device that is being used well by an accomplished author 
and they're learning how that device works and it will impact their writing down the road and it will impact their enjoyment of and ability to understand all sorts of other things that they're going to read the rest of their lives. Yeah. So you're putting a different kind of thinking into the process of reading when you encourage analysis. Yeah, and it really does it develops critical thinking skills even though they are concentrating on a literary device and learning how that's used in a story it's helping them to read between the lines and to know a lot of life is reading between the lines. That's good critical thinking. So if you have not used literature study guides before, if you have found that a more Charlotte Mason-y approach or whatever has worked well in your homeschool, that's great. Yeah. High school is a good time to consider trying some because these analytical skills, they're a little bit different. And teens are developmentally really ready for that kind of thing. They are looking at the world and asking themselves those kinds of questions about the real people around them and the real situations around them. And when we tap into that with the reading that they're doing, even in, in fiction, we're encouraging something that they're already eager to do. Mm -hmm. It's a lovely character development tool as well, and it opens the door for fantastic discussions with your kids. So if you're, if you're not leaning in that direction yourself personally, it's really helpful to have a guide that is going to ask some of those questions and spark some of those conversations. So try a literature study guide for analysis. There you go. So that's literature. So how many of those um, we typically recommend that you be analyzing at least one book a month in high school. Mm -hmm. So if that's a traditional mm -hmm. academic year, that's nine books that you're going to assign your kid and you're going to require analysis with. And then how many books beyond that should they read? Well, that depends a lot on your student, on whether they're in ninth grade or 12th grade, on what their plans are for after graduation. So a really general idea is a total of somewhere between 15 and 50. That's pretty broad, right? If you check sevensistershomeschool.com and look at the post, how many books should my teen read? Uh, it, it will help you break down by year and by level of rigor you're looking for for their transcript, for like if they're college bound or career bound. So that, that's a helpful guide. Mm, great resource. Okay, so we've got reading, now we go to writing, and it should not just be essay after essay after essay after essay. We mm. tend to associate essays with high school writing, which is great because your teen should be writing lots of essays in high school, but your mm -hmm. teen should not be writing only essays in high school. So mm -hmm. Vicki, you've done a lot of writing instruction over the years with teens in our local community as well as your own kids. Why don't you uh, lay out some guidelines for high school writing? Yeah, so what we have found is most helpful in developing good thinking skills and communication skills and what colleges are looking for is if we have our teens write essays, they need to do that, but also each year to write an appropriate length research paper and try the different styles of research papers. No, wait, okay, different styles might be unfamiliar to some people because we're not just talking about writing a report. Yes. And especially for folks who are new to, to homeschooling high school, that shift from report to research paper is a little bit confusing. Can you clarify? There are several different styles of research paper. One is MLA, one's APA, there's Chicago. There's other ones that you know teens will face when they get to college too. But if they get some basic ideas of a research paper is what they're doing is they're taking an idea, they're doing research on it, similar to what they would do with a report, like in a report you do some research. But in research writing, you're digesting that information and communicating well in a report form. So like in an MLA paper, 
the teens take a thesis, though so they have a, an idea that they want to explore and defend. Um, and so they explain their, their thoughts and they work out a process, kind of like a, a very in-depth long essay. And then an APA paper is more like an advanced report form, like we're trying to be very objective here. And so we're presenting the topic and then ideas that back that up. So all the you know current research, what's known about this. And then an, a Chicago paper is somewhere in between and is fun for kids to do because it's very different format with footnotes and all kinds of fun stuff. So what teens do when they experience research papers is they're diving deep into a concept. They're learning what valid um, resources are. They're learning how to communicate their ideas and they're learning to focus in on a topic. So it's really good critical thinking and neural strength and all kinds of developmental things. So you got research paper, you got essays. We also found that our kids do well if they write some short stories. So we're not talking about becoming short story authors, you know, for a career, but to learn how to write in a communicative, interesting way, you know, how to do conversations and character and events, because those ways of describing things give you more words and more ability to communicate in real life, but your other writing gets more interesting. Same thing with poetry. Kids who learn poetry and just some very basic skills, they don't need to become poets, but they learn how to capture words and digest ideas into little phrases. And so that gives their writing, even on a research paper, if you use words well, you write better and more interesting research. For college-bound kids especially, that helps them stand out when they're, you know, a teacher's reading 100 papers in college. You know, a good writer really stands out. But also for kids who have a vocabulary that's not where it should be, you know, like they just haven't been interested in using words or coming from a background where they just haven't been exposed to a lot of literature for one reason or the other. Poetry helps them catch up because it gives them tense ideas, like things are squeezed down and said in very intentional wording. So it's really, really good for communication. So that's writing. We got four components. So essays, research, short stories, and, and poetry. And that's one reason why is with Seven Sisters, we have our writing guides, is we broke all of these things down into little daily lessons for the teens that are not intimidating. Because we know, you know, some kids are like, poetry, what? Mm -hmm. Or research paper, I can't do that. And it's all broken down to very digestible, you can do it pieces. And we found that, that kids discover all of a sudden that they can do these things. And it really, really is helpful for their confidence. Additionally, as you get into the upper grades in high school, we encourage you to throw in a little bit of professional writing as well. Mm -hmm. And that is something that has become more and more needed in the internet age and as um, as people are expected to present themselves in ways that really was not the case for their parents' generation. Yes. And so we encourage, yes. um, especially as your kid gets closer to graduation, a little bit of practice with professional writing as well. And if you don't find that anyplace else, you most certainly can check it out at sevensistershomeschool.com in the ebook store. Uh, okay, so we've covered literature and writing. Those are the two big ginormous pieces of this five-part complex credit. 
Now we're going to move to vocabulary. Vicki's already touched on that, that rich vocabulary is one that includes a lot of words that the student is familiar with, but also includes practice using words in interesting ways. Mm -hmm. And so you want to be paying attention to the way vocabulary is used in the books that they're reading. When you use a literature study guide from Seven Sisters, one of the things that is going to be included in the front of that is a vocabulary section. And that's going to draw your teen's attention to words that will probably be new to them and encourage them to notice how that word is used in this particular book that has been assigned to them. But if you are looking for more vocabulary learning beyond what is pointed out in the lit guides and what is encouraged in the writing guides, then there are so many wonderful online free vocabulary building tools and specifically test prep vocabulary. If you have a kid who is who is concerned about what their vocab skills are like as they go into the SAT or the ACT or whatever. Yeah, my one of my very favorites is free rice. That's rice, like as in the food. So it's freerice.com, which is a gamified vocabulary. And you learn, uh, you start at one level and you just keep working up levels. And each time you get something right, the sponsors of the website give grains of rice to the World um, Health Program or World Food Program, mm -hmm. I think it is. So it's a, it's a just wonderful way to get some SAT prep vocabulary in and, and just have fun doing it. Yes, love free rice. All right, grammar. Grammar is a really big question for a lot of homeschool high school parents because you may not be sure how much your child has already mastered. If you have not used a standalone grammar program in the younger years, or if you're bringing your kid home for high school and they were not homeschooled before that and you're not entirely sure what their grammar instruction has been like up to this point, it can be hard to know how to approach grammar. So a really easy way to figure that out, in my opinion, is ask yourself, is my kid a natural writing rock star? <laughs> Some kids just are like crazy good writers. They just are. And they have learned an amazing amount just by observing in the books that they've read. Mm -hmm. And so they've picked up and they use correctly most grammatical structures. Uh, grammar, you know, is the structure for everything. It's how phrases are formed and how sentences are formed and how paragraphs are formed and how we string paragraphs together with transitions and punctuation and the tenses of verbs and all that kind of stuff. And if your kid is just a natural writing rock star, then you probably just need to work on their grammar as they write. And that means, as you should be doing for any kid, writing rough drafts of things, going and making corrections and marking it all up and talking about how to edit those things and, and make them correct and strong and then doing a final copy and keeping a rough draft and a final copy showing those things corrected and those skills practiced and mastery over the course of the year. So you might not need formal grammar instruction if your kid is a natural writing rock star. If your kid is not a natural writing rock star, then a great place to start is with a pocket guide to English grammar. And there are lots of them available. I am totally biased. By far my favorite is the one that Seven Sisters has. Um, Allison Thorpe, Seven Sister Allison, wrote this for the classes that she taught for many years in our local community. It's called Grammar Granules, and it is just a really great reference so that mom can look back and refresh her own memory on exactly what the rules are for this or that, or what kinds of exceptions there are to this rule. And for a student who is already pretty familiar with grammar and a pretty solid writer, 
maybe not a writing rock star, but pretty solid, they're going to need those refreshers. They're going to need those reminders and those tips and those examples. And Grammar Granules offers those kinds of examples. It's not a full-on year-long instruction in English grammar, but it is a really great starting point if you're not sure where your kid falls. And then if you are trying a pocket guide like that, and you're finding that you're just in over your head and your kid has no idea and is just sentence fragmenting all over the place, <laughs> then yeah. you want to look online for an in-depth one semester or one year long high school English grammar program. Mm -hmm. And that will break it out into much more intentional instruction for a kid who doesn't have the basis they need. Yeah. So, so some kids don't need any, you'd be wasting their time yep. if they did a grammar workbook. And uh, a lot of kids just need to check with a guide. But kids who are lost, it's nice to have just a nice workbook to plug through to teach them the basics that they may have missed earlier. I know a lot of teens, once they get the hang of writing process, they do find that the grammar is not too bad. And as long as they have a rubric to check with, uh, that it helps that they can kind of gear themselves. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So that leaves the fifth component. We've, we've talked about reading and writing and vocabulary and grammar. And then we have public speaking, which a lot of people go, wait, what does that have to do with the English credit? But think about it, y'all. English language arts is about communicating with words. So when we read, it's about understanding what others have communicated to us with their words. When we write, it's about us being able to connect with other people and communicate our ideas in words. Grammar is how we link those words together. Vocabulary is the words themselves and using them well. Public speaking is communicating in an oral form. It serves the same mm -hmm. purpose. And it's important. It is. It is. And it's scary for some people. <laughs> Yeah, and it can be like it's kind of like built into the culture that you know, public speaking is really scary, but it doesn't have to be. It can be fun. Yeah. So it's nice if you can give kids a format that they can actually have a blast with public speaking and they can even do that on their own. Like we've had homeschool moms who just live out in the boonies and you know, don't have a nearby co-op or club to practice with. And so they, they learn the skills at home and practice with the family, and that's fine. It's great to get their feet wet. Yeah. Can you suggest any curriculum they could use? Wow. <laughs> I'll suggest it because I didn't write it. Go ahead. But there's a great one here at sevensistershomeschool.com, and I think actually both of you have contributed to that, if I remember correctly. It was. It was yeah. a collaborative so, effort. <laughs> I, I love let you elaborate since you're the authors after all. So Speech One was created to guide a speech club in your local community. It can be adapted to use individually at home, but it's it's pointed very clearly toward helping a mom who's never led anything like this before, helping her find the resources to draw from, and helping to really set a tone for a lighthearted, safe, fun place to get your feet wet with public speaking while you're in high school. And we've had really good feedback on this one. Apparently we hit the mark and it's fun and the teens are excited about doing it. And um, we also have pulled a few of those lessons out and published them just as individual guides um, in a less club format that will fit a little bit more easily for people who are doing public speaking more on their own or just with maybe one other family or something like that. Um, and some of those are available in the ebook store 
as well. Just little little inexpensive mm -hmm. guides that will walk your kid through three or four weeks of practicing and preparing and then presenting. Sabrina, I know, you know, five components to English language arts. That's so much. If you were a newbie homeschool mom or you were new to homeschooling high school and you wanted to do it right, but you had no idea where to even start, could you give us any suggestions so that they have something to work with? Are we being cheesy or what today? Like, like, <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. So shameless self-promotion, but we've put a huge amount of effort into creating some English language arts bundles that are one-year comprehensive bundles because we have been for 10 years now, we've been hearing from Seventh Sisters all over the place saying, this one is just intimidating. I am so, can you please just tell me how to put all five together? I get completely, I don't even know, we're gonna miss something big and important and I don't know. Um, so we did that and we did it because we have heard of a real need in the community. So I am very proud of the English language arts bundles that are available at sevensistershomeschool.com. We have four of them. The idea is one for each year of high school. You don't have to do them in a particular order. They are not sequential exactly. And there's a lot about that in the product descriptions in the store at sevensistershomeschool.com. But each bundle contains all five elements, guides and instruction and resources for all of it, and a syllabus that walks you through the year that shows you which chapters of which book to read which week and when to do lesson number two from the essay guide. And all that is laid out for you over a traditional nine-month academic year. Wow. And it's a great place to start at $75 for the bundle. And that's giving you literary analysis for nine books that you're going to assign that's giving you writing instruction in essays and research paper and poetry and short story and professional writing that's giving you public speaking experiences vocabulary and grammar yeah 75 dollars for a year so we also feel good about the fact that it is very kind to the homeschool budget because we understand that it can get expensive fast mm -hmm. when you're trying to really do a good Absolutely. job covering the english language arts credit because there's so many pieces to it and then most of the books that would go with that, the, the ones that you're going to do the literary analysis, those are books that are available in, in the library, right? Absolutely. Yes, they are. Many of them are free on Kindle because they're classics yep. and a lot, there's a lot of classic literature free available um, on Kindle. And there are, I, I forgot this, but we have also included five cinema studies for literature learning in each year. Oh, yeah. And that is an opportunity for kids who struggle more with the reading part and get overwhelmed trying to both read a challenging book and do analysis work along the way. And so we have five movies that they can watch and practice the analysis in the medium of a movie, yeah. which is much less overwhelming for kids who struggle more with reading. And it's fun. It's, it's, it's fun. fun. And it's actually cool because it kind of introduces the idea that there are things to pay attention to in the movies that we watch and they do actually impact our thinking. We're not just watching them in this vacuum and then walk away un, unaffected by them. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to just raise that awareness. Yes, that is a very good thing to do to break down that thought of entertainment only and to instead recognize that even the things that are entertaining us are shaping our thinking. And it's good to think about the ways in which they're mm -hmm. doing that. So, yeah. 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 
Awesome. Wow, this was a long one, but you know what? It's because it's such a big credit on the transcript and we need to figure out English language arts and that meant it took a few extra minutes today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. It fills the bill. So we hope that that has been a help to you. And if you are looking for more information, one of the very helpful, very free things that you can do is go to sevensistershomeschool.com, go to the ebook store, click on the one year high school English language arts bundles category, and you will see a free download in there that gives you an overview and shows you the suggested schedule and gives a lot of information about how you can put together English language arts for your year. Whether you choose to do that with Seven Sisters Resources or something different, it's going to give you a good look at what a year of high school English language arts needs to look like. So take advantage of that. Yeah, we want to help our Seven Sisters. That's what we're here for. We really do. We really do. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. The the credit is complex, but we hope that this podcast episode was not and that it instead broke it down and made you think, oh, I can do it because we really believe that you can do it. Homeschool, high school, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. So with that encouragement, go and have yourselves a wonderful week and join us again for future episodes of the Homeschool High School Podcast from sevensistershomeschool.com and brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.